essentially, as long as your exhale is a little bit longer than your inhale, you're going to be starting to shift your physiology into that parasympathetic nervous system. We actually have the ability with this awareness, starting with this awareness to intercept that physiology. You're now owning your physiology as opposed to saying the environment dictates my physiology, the environment and my past dictate my physiology. Over the course of my life and career, I've discovered the power of consciously investing in mindset and personal development. It has been a true game changer for me in my personal and professional life. And I'm extremely excited that you decided to join us today to take one step forward in your own life. Most of my breakthroughs have come from one-on-one -on -one conversations. We created this show to bring you those unfiltered conversations each and every week. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Connected Mindset Live. I'm your host, Greg Tomchik, and each week we bring you the stories and strategies to help you better connect with the world around you. Speaking of connection, after being a cyber attack victim in 2016, I've made it my mission to help people better connect and more safely connect with the internet and the digital world that we all play within today. So if you want to find out if you're cyber exposed or digitally exposed in your business or your personal life, we have a free assessment that we just released. You can go to valor-cybersecurity.com assessment. Basically, you get a score on your digital exposure and some recommendations, and that's our gift to you for listening in today. And uh, we want to make sure that you're safe so you're not put in that position that I was once in. So without further ado, we have Ms. Shitala Jmani on with us again for a second time. Always a pleasure to have her on the show and uh, really looking forward to the conversation. Shitala, how's your morning going? It's going great. Yeah. Thanks for having me on again, Greg. I always enjoy our conversations. So it's just an honor and a pleasure to be here again with you. Thanks so much. Yeah, it's 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 really our honor. And for anybody listening in today, you're going to have a lot of takeaways. So take out the notebooks. Um, I have mine and uh, looking forward to diving into a lot of different topics. Um, we covered quite a bit in our first episode. Um, as most of you know, I've been on uh, somewhat of a rampage related to the nervous system because it's something that I'm very fascinated about on a personal level. And most of the conversations that I have, and I bring up the nervous system, whether it's in a business conversation or personal, most of the people say, I've never even heard somebody say those words in a capacity that's not just an anxious or, or nervous person, you know, their nervous system is disrupted. So Chital, one of the areas I'd like to start the conversation at just to kind of lay the foundation is, you know, from your perspective, from your experience, um, what is the nervous system and how does it impact our daily lives? Yeah, great question. Great question. Um, one of my favorite topics as well. So, I mean, the nervous system encompasses a range of things, right? Um, you know, your brain, your spinal cord, your cerebrospinal fluid, your nerves, your neurons, like these are all part of the nervous system. Um, and, you know, your nervous system takes care of, you know, both voluntary and involuntary. Um, so things that you think about, like actions, right? Like 
you think about moving your hand and through your nervous system, like that happens, right? Um, as well as involuntary, meaning kind of those things that you don't think about as well, right? Um, and so we'll get into that a little bit. And I think for the focus of our conversation, we're going to kind of focus on that area, right? That area of those sort of involuntary actions, those sort of automatic uh, actions um, that your nervous system takes care of, right? And that part of your nervous system is called the autonomic nervous system, right? Autonomic, these things happen kind of automatically, right? Um, without you sort of consciously thinking about it, right? And there's two, there's two components to that. There's your sympathetic nervous system and there's your parasympathetic nervous system, right? And so your sympathetic nervous system, this is your, you know, often you'll hear it as like your fight, flight, or freeze part of your nervous system. Your sympathetic nervous system is what um, is activated when you detect a threat in your environment or in your life, right? What could that look like? So when you detect like a stressor, right? When you feel stressed um, and something gets triggered in you, right? That is your sympathetic nervous system getting activated. And, you know, we can all think about and, and I think remember a time in our life or many times in our life when that is activated, right? And what happens in your body, right? Your breath becomes shallow. Your heart starts to race, right? Maybe you start to sweat. You start to really focus in on that problem, on that stressor. Like that's all you can think about, right? That is your sympathetic nervous system activated. And now the parasympathetic nervous system is, you know, when you are in a sense of safety, when you're feeling a sense of safety, your parasympathetic nervous system is activated. This is often referred to as your rest and digest part of your nervous system, right? So when you sense this um, feelings of safety, of security, right? Your body knows, your nervous system knows it's okay to rest, right? And so that's when other, um, you know, your heart rate slows down, your breath becomes more deep um, and relaxed and steady, right? Um, it's called rest and digest because your body isn't trying to fight off this trigger when that sympathetic nervous system is, is activated. So it can use those resources to do other really important bodily functions like focus on digestion, right? Um, things like that. So this is all really helpful and really useful to know about. And these are really useful processes of our nervous system. And I like to always share to give context of this kind of, you know, evolutionarily, like, like why this was all really important. <laughs> so like in our hunter gatherer days, right, as humans, when you were out hunting um, and you saw a tiger, right, your sympathetic nervous system kicks in, right? Because this is a survival mechanism, right? You see that tiger, you know that your survival is at stake, literally, right? And so your sympathetic nervous system kicks in. You're completely focused and honed in on that tiger. And you're going to remember exactly where you saw that tiger, exactly what it looked like, what it was doing, what you were doing, where you were in relation to it. Like, right? Like you remember all of that because your survival literally depends on it right? Now, here's the thing. At that time, you were only out hunting maybe a max three hours a day. So 
So your sympathetic nervous system was only activated. It's only meant to be activated max three hours a day, right? Now, in our current day and age, and this is where it gets interesting, right? In our current day and age, most of us are not out there hunting tigers, but our nervous system has not evolved to sort of how our modern day is yet, right? Like it hasn't kind of caught up to that. So we still, our nervous system still reacts to different things in our environment as though it's a tiger. So if uh, someone leaves a not so nice comment on our social media, bam, that's a tiger. If our boss says something that um, just kind of hits us the wrong way, bam, that's a tiger, right? And our nervous system is activated. If we have a deadline on a project at work and all of a sudden it gets moved up, by like a day or two, bam, that's a tiger, right? And so our nervous system is constantly reacting in this way, right? Now, going back to the hunter-gatherer days. Um, so max, we were, you know, synthetic nervous system activated like three hours a day. Then what would you do? After hunting, you would come back to your village. You'd be in community. You'd make a fire. You would cook together. You would sing. You would dance, right? You found this sense of safety. And so all, you know, the 21 hours of the rest of the day, you're in your rest and digest. You're in your parasympathetic nervous system, right? So in our modern day, most all of us are spending most of our day in sympathetic nervous system activation. Mm -hmm. We are constantly detecting threats in our environment. But those threats are completely different than they were back then, right? Um, and so this leads to, this can lead to a lot of issues, right? Now, talking from a health standpoint, right, we're not meant to have, we're not meant to be in that sympathetic activation for that long, right? So what happens? Your cortisol level is just like shot through the roof, like for a chronically extended period of time, which is not how it's supposed to be, right? Um, these chronic activation of, um, you know, prolonged exposure to stress, this chronic activation of your sympathetic nervous system really does lead to the majority of and contribute to the majority of health conditions that chronic health conditions that adults face today. Right. So, 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 so it's a, it's a big issue and, and what really excites me and I'm sure we'll get into it. And I know Greg, I've just been kind of going on because I, I love this topic and, and I really okay. wanted to set that foundation yeah. too. I think that's really important, but what really excites me is that as a physician who has been studying and practicing mind body practices for as long as I have been studying and practicing medicine, so I started practicing yoga my first year of medical school. So literally, as long as I've been practicing Western medicine, I've also been engaging in and studying and practicing myself um, mind-body practices. So what's really exciting to me is that once you have this foundation, once you have this knowledge and awareness, you can actually begin to intercept these physiological processes to feel better. And not only to feel better, but to actually like, positively impact your health, your relationships, how you're showing up at work. It affects all of that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's something I'm extremely excited about and have felt it in a small capacity. I have a long, you know, we, I, you know, I think we all have a journey that we're on, but I have a long way to go, but I felt the benefits of just recognizing that it exists as a nervous system and saying, if I leave my phone, you know, to the, the other side of the room for an hour, that is potentially getting in me into my parasympathetic to allow me to relax. And it takes me maybe 50 minutes to get to that point. Cause I'm like, Oh, what's going on on my phone? Who's, you know, what do I need to do for somebody else? And, um, but that 10 minutes of parasympathetic consciously has dramatically, I know it's impacted my health, but it's dramatically impacted my, you know, physical and mental health. So it's kind of, it's, it's dual sided where it's not just, heal your nervous system, you know, avoid disease. And I think that's the connection a lot of people make. And, um, you know, for me, it was showing up in a number of ways, because like you said, it's, it, I, you know, my ancestors and our ancestors went from three hours a day to, I was probably in my sympathetic for, you know, 20 hours a day, because even when I was sleeping, maybe I was, you know, I'm thinking about, oh, this investor deadline or, you know, this client needs this, or, you know, the family and kids need this. And it's, it's constantly that like stimulation of something that we don't really understand until we are able to recognize that it exists. And like we've said many times, and, you know, once you see it, you can't unsee it. So. Yeah. And the thing is, most of us are in that like chronically activated state most of the day, like the majority of our waking day. And the thing is, and this is what makes it so hard, Greg, the thing is, is that we live in a modern day culture that rewards that, that seems to reward that, right? So there's like this contradiction because modern society is, is, is like rewarding being busy, rewarding productivity, rewarding achievement, or so it seems, right? Um, I mean, anyone you talk to, so often, how are you doing? Oh, I'm so busy. Oh, I have so much to do, right? There's just this constant level of just stress, this sense of busyness, this sense of productivity, this sense of um, overwhelm that is just like overlying like our entire like society and culture, right? Um, Brene Brown often describes it as like we wear busyness and stress as like a badge of honor. Mm -hmm. And we need to change that, right? And so that's where there's this such this contradiction. And I think this is where for so many of us, it can be so hard to really honor what you need and what your body is telling you that you need and to really cultivate that mind-body awareness because it's contradictory to everything else. But at the same time, if you can start to honor that, and start to actually, you know, give your body, your mind, your nervous system, what it needs, you are going to feel better, right? Um, mentally, physically, emotionally, um, your relationships are going to improve how you're showing up at work. And actually, what is fascinating is your productivity will improve, right? So like, even though there's <laughs> such this focus on like, do more to increase your productivity, the fact is, is if you rest, if you give yourself a chance to spend some time in that parasympathetic nervous system, when you are working, you're actually going to be more productive. And there is research behind that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. These are one of those areas. And, and just what you spoke through, it's like, this is where, 
and I know you have a show as well, and, and you kind of start connecting some of these thought, uh, thoughts and, and strategies. And I almost think about it today. It's almost a leadership you know, issue. It's a self-leadership as well as the leaders that and mentors that we look up to. You know, it's it's our responsibility. It's their responsibility to make those around us better off. And if we are going about and saying you need to look and and seem busy to me or you're not being productive and successful, that's making them worse off as individuals and probably the work that they're doing. Um, and I think that's a key point for leaders to take away is how can you help your people you know, better manage their nervous systems. And, and maybe that's giving them a day off a week for a while until you feel like they're not as stressed as they are. Because I think walking into a lot of meetings, I see people that are just overly stressed and they're, they're not even present. They're not even there. They're just, you know, they're sitting there, their body's there, but their mind, their nervous system, their 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 presence, their soul is just not there. They're, it's somewhere else because they're in that, sympathetic state which makes us distracted and you know i i think that takes away from presence it takes away from effectiveness and the ability as a leader because oftentimes leaders look at they have to take on all the stress they have to take on all the all the stuff going on in this environment but the best leaders are usually the most calm people mm -hmm. because they know what they can control and that presence makes everybody better around them because hopefully when you interact with that person, it calms them down a little bit to put them in the parasympathetic. And one of the areas I'm curious of is, can you be doing something active? Like when you go back to the fire and dance and communicate and be in community and be in that parasympathetic, but still be doing something of activity, um, you know, in your daily life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. You know, because we know, again, that being in that community um, enhances that sense of, of, of safety and belonging and love and connection, right? So absolutely, even though you're like doing things within community, right? And then there's also like, um, you know, sort of healthy ways, right? So we don't like we are meant to spend some time in sympathetic nervous system mm -hmm. activation, right? But we're not meant to spend 20 hours a day in it, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? So, so yes, yes, absolutely. And, and I love, I want to go back to a couple of things that you mentioned. One about leadership. Absolutely. I think with leadership and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's us setting that example, us leaders who are listening, right? Like we need to set those examples, right? For our teams, for our clients, right? And so it goes so along, like our ability as leaders go as leaders, as entrepreneurs, Greg, you and I have talked about this offline too, you know, it goes like right alongside parallel to our own personal journey, right? Mm -hmm. So as we start to explore these things ourselves and in our own lives, we are then able to, one, as leaders, set an example for it, right? Um, for example, right? Like if me as a leader am like, okay, I value um, taking this time off or I value I don't answer phone calls after 9 p.m. or 8 p.m. or whatever that is, that is going to then give permission to my team to do that as well, right? Like I am setting that value for the entire organization then, right? So it goes right hand in hand with your own personal journey, 
right? Mm-hmm. And exploring these things yourself. And then the other thing I wanted to go back to, Greg, is something that you mentioned of just um, that even through your own, this, you had shared your own personal experience that just even through over, you know, recently of just your own awareness of your nervous system, how much that has helped. And I, the reason I want to go back to that is because, um, you know, Greg, and anytime I speak, <laughs> whether I'm a guest on a podcast or on my own show or anything like that, or if I'm speaking to groups, I always, it's so important to me to give like really practical takeaways that, that, that our listeners can, can take home and, and, and implement. And the thing is, is it does start with awareness, right? Because the thing is, so often we are spending our time in that sympathetic nervous system, which is a state of reactivity. So just like you said, when you're in those meetings and you're in this sympathetic nervous system activation, right? You're in a state of reactivity. So you can't be present and intentional, right? And mindful there because you're in this state of reactivity. Um, but, But it starts with awareness. It starts with just noticing that, right? And that's why a a big part for me in terms of when I'm working with clients as well, or when I'm teaching mind-body practices and classes, I teach, you know, yoga, meditation, things like that, when I'm teaching this to folks, is is starting with just cultivating that uh, mind-body connection and that body awareness. Because the fact is, is that your body is always sending you signals. It's just so often we are either in a reactive state and or just in our head the whole time. Like we're not taught to like pay attention to your body signals. But when you start to notice that, right? Like, oh, wait, um, I haven't taken a deep breath all day. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, wait, you know, I, I'm feeling, I feel like knots in my stomach and my heart is racing. Something's going on. What's going on here, right? So the first step is that awareness then, like I had alluded to earlier, then we can begin to, now that awareness will will call, trigger some changes already, just because you're noticing it, you're becoming aware of it, right? So even unintentionally, if you notice, if you say to yourself and you notice, oh, wait, I haven't taken a deep breath today, you're going to then take a deep breath most likely, right? Like that's just kind of like natural. Um, so that awareness helps. And then, but then the second thing is, then you can actually start to intentionally intercept your physiology, which is so cool. Like, so what do I mean by that? Okay. So, you know, so often when we feel stressed, people will say, take a few deep breaths, right? But here's the thing. Inhaling activates your sympathetic nervous system. Exhaling activates your parasympathetic nervous system. So rather than taking deep in breaths, take long exhales. Mm-hmm. Extend your exhale a little bit longer than your inhale. And this is something that I often guide clients to do. And I'll walk them through it. Like, so however, just counting your breath, right? Like, like you could count in for two, out for four. You can use any ratio you want. It doesn't matter. Okay. There's all these things out there, you know, of like, you know, the box breathing or mm-hmm. the four, seven, eight, all that. I do not um, subscribe to using a specific number because it's different for everyone. Okay. Like that four, seven, eight for someone that seven or eight might be too long and it might actually trigger, um, almost a trauma response because it's too long for them and they're not comfortable with it. So, so I say we need to find the ratio that works best for you. Um, and this is where I work with clients individually on things like that. Um, 
But essentially, as long as your exhale is a little bit longer than your inhale, you're going to be starting to shift your physiology into that parasympathetic nervous system. So that is really cool. And there's there's other ways as well, but that's one just really practical way. Um, and which is where I think this is really, really cool is that like we actually have the ability with this awareness, starting with this awareness to intercept that physiology. Mm -hmm. I love that intentionally intercepting. I love the intercepting word because I think it's not a, it, it is, a, it's kind of a something coming at you and, and you, you realizing it and then, you know, not, not necessarily capitalizing on it, but accepting it and then practicing it. It's that like, I think about intercepting like a football, like sports, you know, and, mm -hmm. and then you start running down the field and, and you now have ownership of that activity. And that's, that's basically what you're doing is you're now owning your physiology as opposed to saying the environment dictates my physiology, the environment and my past dictate my physiology, mm -hmm. which is so important. And I think that's why meditation has gotten so important. I think of Joe Dispenza and some of the just incredible things that he's been able to just realize by putting people through, you know, five to seven day, you know, meditation retreats, and he's like mm -hmm. healing disease and people are walking. And, and I think what that's doing is it's putting them in that parasympathetic for a period of time that they've never had before, which unlocks or releases the disease that these folks are going through. I mean, like healing autism and like, just like many of the things that he talks about today. And a lot of people are like, oh, that's woo woo. Like, you know, that doesn't work, but he's proving it time and time again. And at its core, it's basically just somebody taking ownership for their physiology for the first time. Mm -hmm. And it's it's that miracle release that happens. And then you realize what continues to happen after that once they are able to take ownership. It's I think those are the the people that we see who are, you know, healthy or, you know, in, in good state or doing great things in the world because they've now not just taken ownership for their actions, but the physiology is so important to be able to take those actions. And I think that's a a first start to living a better life is owning your physiology and then taking that out into the world and doing something that makes you passionate, which uh, I'm curious if you think that, you know, the activities like, you know, this show for me, it's very enjoyable, you know, or something where somebody's in a flow state, are they in parasympathetic or in a lower vibration of, of sympathetic? Um, oh, that's a great question. Um, I think primarily parasympathetic, although it could also be kind of a healthy version of that sympathetic, mm -hmm. right? Um, because yeah, certainly, of course, like like when you're exercising, when you're working out, right? Like like that is sympathetic mm -hmm. activation, right? But in a in a in a in a different, not in a different way. In a, it's a healthy way, right? So so I think it kind of could be both. That's a great mm -hmm. question. Um, but a couple of other things that I mentioned or not that you mentioned that I wanted to touch on. One is that you said something about um, something about the past as well, mm -hmm. kind of like being in the sympathetic nervous system, right? Either in the present or from the past. And so one thing I wanted to mention that is that your um, mind uh, processes processes you thinking about the past or past events or memories or images um, as though it's happening right now, 
right now. So your nervous system and your body still reacts to it as though it's happening now. So if you think about that, like really bad breakup that happened years ago or whatever, right? And the heartache that you felt and all the pain and all of that stuff, right? Your nervous system is going to react in that same way now as though you're going through it right now. So that is, that's, I think that's important to know as well. And then meditation. So meditation does a lot of stuff for us. Again, now this is a part that I like to like go into as well, because I love the science of this, because this, this, it really changes your brain and changes your nervous system, right? Through something called neuroplasticity. So meditation, one thing it does, there's a part of your brain called the amygdala. And the amygdala is what detects threats. So the amygdala, like when you saw that tiger, the amygdala picked that up as a threat and, and sends you into the sympathetic nervous system, triggers your sympathetic nervous system to be activated. Through meditation, that decreases the activation of your amygdala. So you see you become less reactive. The things around you, you see them less as threats. And this happens not only while you are meditating, like while you're actively meditating, but it carries over throughout your day. So meditation has cumulative effects. These effects on your brain, these effects on neuroplasticity um, have a, are cumulative, which is really cool. Now, another thing that it does is so, so, so when you detect a threat, your amygdala detects a threat, kicks in sympathetic nervous system. There's a part of your brain called the prefrontal cortex. This is kind of catches up. This is the part of the brain that is like, okay, initially the amygdala detects a threat. You get into that fight, flight, freeze. Then sort of the prefrontal cortex part of your brain kicks in to think about like, is this really a threat or is this not? Is that really a tiger or is that just a shadow that I saw? Right. So that part like starts to try to make sense of it. Right. Like, is that a snake or is that just a rope? Right. Like, do I need to actually be, you know, activated right now and triggered right now? Or is this actually a safe situation? So that's your, um, so meditation also activates your prefrontal cortex. So it helps with those processes, right? It also helps with something called executive function. So like organize, like organization and um, attention and focus and all of those sort of things. So this is what's really cool too. This is another way that you can like intercept your physiology is through just mindfulness and meditation practices. And knowing, you know, and, and just kind of as a scientist, as a physician, like for me, it's really cool to see like this actually literally over time through neuroplasticity changes your biology, right? And so you, you literally do become less reactive and there's a reason for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so fascinating. My, my brain goes to you know, so many different parallels um, because I just think about my experience recently and how I realized, you know, probably 98% of the stuff I was doing, you know, weren't really a priority, but I wasn't able to question those because I was in that sympathetic state continuously. So everything was a priority to some extent. And I think of the executive function of if everything's a priority, nothing's a priority. If I'm thinking about all day what the next yeah. social media post is or, 
um, you know, who the next person I need to call is, then whatever I'm doing right now is, you know, it's, it's not going to really happen to, to its full effort or impact that I really wanted to have. And I, I thought I was having an impact, but until I was able to get into that state to realize like, is this a threat? Is this a priority? Um, is this something that needs my attention now? Or it, do I need to make a decision on this? You know, it, it, it kept me in that 20 hour a day, you know, sympathetic state, which is, was very damaging to my body. And as an athlete, you know, I didn't really realize it, but I look back and I'm like, wow, I was in a really bad state. Obviously that's, you know, we're on a continual journey to improve that. Um, but I just, I feel so much more clarity of mind now that I've been able to recognize that aspect, which is really critical. I think for anybody in any role, it doesn't matter if you're an entrepreneur or somebody that's working for a company or you're in school or college, um, you have to address this. And the earlier, the better, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, and I know, you know, Greg and I, we've had, we've had conversations with kind of like this offline, mm -hmm. just that so often it, for many of us, um, and myself included for many of us, it's, it's almost takes like being in that crisis situation and kind of reaching a breaking point for us to realize this and, and to like make a change with it. And, um, so anyone who's found themselves in that situation, please practice self-compassion for yourself. Yeah. Cause again, myself included, mm -hmm. um, and, and it's not, it hasn't been just like once that that, ha that has happened. Like I've had to learn that lesson over and over again. Um, but, but so often I think that happens, but I think that's also part of the reason, you know, Greg, that, that you and I are doing this, this kind of work and the shows that we're doing is like, if we can help someone in some way, hopefully not reach that breaking point of this sooner so that you have to wait for a crisis to hit, um, start working on this right now. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's why we do it at the end of the day. And I think that's why, you know, the medical system exists to some extent is helping people see the light before, you know, the bad happens. Um, and, you know, if, if you can help one person, I think that's impact. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, that's why we put on our shows, because if one person's listening in that says, I am feeling distress or I'm feeling this certain way, or I'm, I'm, I'm not, might not be going through something right now, but I know something's going to come up in the future for both of us. It is. And, you know, we don't have it all figured out, but we've been able to feel that feeling. And if we can describe it in a way that resonates with somebody in the current mindset that they're in, um, to me, that's impact. And, um, one of the areas I wanted to dive into, is I know you have a meditation program coming out. I just wanted to, you know, allow you to offer that to the listeners because I think it's a great resource. Um, you know, meditation has been popularized, but there are certain ways, and I think with everything we brought in together, to do it in a way that fits, you know, that individual. Um, so happy to kind of offer that yeah, up to the audience. Absolutely. But, absolutely. Thank you so much. Greg, yeah. So I do have a, a meditation sort of mini course. I talk a little bit about it's both educational and um, 
practical application with guided meditations. So, um, so I talk a little bit about, about some of what we talked about today, some of the science behind how meditation helps um, improve your focus, your concentration, that sort of thing, as well as tips for like how to actually start a practice at home, a meditation practice at home so that you can get into the habit of it as well, as well as some guided meditations. And for anyone listening, um, I'm going to have a, um, coupon code specifically for Greg's listeners, specifically for those who are tuning into the Connected Mindset Live. So I will share that with Greg so that you can get 50% off of that course just to get access to that. And um, and for anyone who does live in, in Hampton Roads, I do offer in-person uh, meditation classes around Hampton Roads at different venues and locations. So, um, you know, you can just subscribe to my newsletter to stay up to date on kind of when I'm offering those. But for anyone who's who's local here in Hampton Roads, I do offer those in-person offerings as well. Excellent. Yeah, I've heard great things about it. I've had multiple friends attend your yoga classes and, and meditation uh, meetups. So I appreciate you doing that. I think it's that's a part of being in a community is all improving together. And um, we'll definitely include that coupon code and the link in the show notes so people can access it um, for as long as this is online, which is probably forever. So um, looking forward to people taking advantage of that. Um, one of the angles that I wanted to dive into, I, we, you know, we've covered a lot of, of juicy details, a lot of actionable steps that people can take. Um, a little bit about, you know, going back to, you know, your origins, you know, you started your mindfulness journey, your first year of medical school. Um, obviously, you were a doctor and a physician for, for quite a long time. You know, what can people as the patient do to help bridge the gap potentially for their doctor to help them support their journey of improving and, you know, being more conscious of their nervous system and their medical um, treatments? Yeah, I love that. I love that because it's so important, especially in this day and age, um, I feel for all of us to be advocates of our own health and well-being. And there's a lot of reasons of why that has become even more important. There's been a lot of changes in the medical system as the medical system has just evolved over time, um, where as physicians, we just have a lot, unfortunately, a lot less time that we can spend with patients. And these... Um, that is not because we don't want to. <laughs> it yeah. is a reflection of just where the healthcare system is right now. And um, and trust me, I do want to share this with everyone because if you're not in the healthcare field, you may not realize it. That that mm -hmm. it is just a reflection of where the healthcare system is right now. And and honestly, that is a source of frustration for um, it was a source of frustration for myself when I was practicing as a physician. It is a source of frustration for many of my colleagues as well that we do want to spend more time with you. Um, it's just a reflection of the system itself. And so, so that being said, though, it is even more vital that everyone become an advocate of their own health and well-being, and that we all empower ourselves with this knowledge, with this information, with this awareness of these tools. Um, and, and I will say also, just to give a little bit more, more perspective, um, many, uh, you know, kind of just thinking about other, other physicians and my colleagues as well, right? 
we are constantly like, right, just the nature of, of our field of working are also constantly in a state of sympathetic mm -hmm. nervous system activation. Yeah. And so as that personally affects our own lives, um, many, you know, similar to myself, many of my other colleagues are starting to seek out some of these tools as well to find some relief, to find some solace, to help with their own health issues that may be arising due to this chronic sympathetic nervous system activation within our own lives. I say that because... What I have found is that many of my colleagues who have sought out these tools for our own personal journeys are now, you know, talking to their patients about it and bringing it up, right? So I think that this is a direction that we are starting to head into um, in the medical field in general as well. And, and it, it's, 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 it's coming out of our own need as well, and that we're seeing how helpful this is for ourselves. And so we're wanting to share that with our patients. You know, Greg, I'll share, you know, I started doing, um, practicing yoga and, and really getting into these practices. As I shared my first year of medical school, that was as of the time of us today recording this, that was 22 years ago. 22 years ago, this was not talked about. I mean, I mean, you talk about like some people think now some people still think this is kind of woo woo. I mean, 22 years ago, it was just not talked about as much as it is now. So we have we have come a long way. I think we have still have a long more way to go. Um, but that being said, I think for patients talking to talking, you know, exploring these ideas yourself, talking to your physicians about it. I think if you are going to seek um, some of the tools that we talked about, that Greg and I talked about today of like some of these mind-body practices, I do think it is important to work with um, a guide or a coach in some way, shape or form, right? Such as myself. Um, I think especially, you know, one thing that is not talked about a lot in mainstream sort of mainstream, like, because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I've, I've been kind of in these for a while, they, they seemed kind of like separate worlds, right, of, of Western medicine, and then these Eastern practices following yoga teachers, meditation teachers, things like that. One thing that I find frustrating from my background, and is that I often see that even with, within, you know, these mind-body practices, although so helpful, um, like I mentioned about the breathing earlier, some of these practices, while they do help you process traumas, they can also, in the process of helping you process those traumas, can bring some of that up, can trigger some of that. And so I think it's it's something that I um, am very cognizant of when I'm working with clients and, and I advise for anyone listening just to make sure that you're working with a guide, someone who can hold that space for you in case any of those sort of things come up. Because when you're working with the nervous system, it holds on to so much. It holds on to so many things like we talked about even from the past that can come up. And so it's so, this is something I feel so strongly about and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pet peeve of mine that it's not talked about as often, which is why I'm bringing it up. Um, because not every meditation instructor, not every yoga instructor is going to come into this with this trauma-informed approach. And so that's why I just think it's so important because we do need more awareness of that, that, that yes, while generally helpful, 
it's also very individual. You know, it used to be in in the in the olden days <laughs> of of and I and by olden days I mean before me as well, like hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of years ago when these practice these mind body practices actually like started, right? Like these yogic practices go back over 5,000 years. Um, it was teacher to student. It was one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. It was oral instruction. It was demonstration, right? Like, like it was one-on-one. -on -one. And so, um, again, just, just, I bring that up so that anyone who's listening, who is seeking support in these practices, yes, of course, feel free to reach out to me. Um, or anyone else who you trust, who you know, um, to just kind of hold space with you for you, um, and that has that awareness and that trauma informed awareness as well. Yeah, I definitely encourage reaching out. I, you know, I feel like you have to, and it's that that teacher student relationship is such a special one because in order to elevate yourself beyond where you currently are, you have to kind of have that exchange of energy that is, you know, one person is heightened and one person is feeling like they need to be heightened or they're at a, at, they're on a journey of trying to heal in some capacity. And the teacher is able to help exchange that energy to, to level them up in some way, which I think is critical across all areas of life. And I'm a huge believer that when we're constricted and when we feel like extremely stressed out and almost like in a ball, our, our superpowers aren't able to come out. And, you know, a personal experience for me, you know, recently I, you know, went, went to see my doctor, I, you know, see him probably every six months or so. And the previous six months, it was, you know, one of our first times meeting and, you know, there was, it was kind of just like the normal patient, you know, doctor interaction. And, you know, he's a great person, very, you know, functional medicine, holistic. Um, but this, this recent time around, you know, I realized that, there was probably other things that he knew that he wanted to mention. And, and I started the interaction. And I think this is like us both taking ownership as opposed to outsourcing it and saying, you know, the doctor has to be present and they have to give me all the information. Um, I just decided to, before we started having the discussion, like, Hey, can we both just take a deep breath? And I know you probably just came from another patient. I heard you talking in the other room. Like, I want to make sure that you're as present as possible and that I'm here to, make sure we both leave this a little bit better off and kind of taking that ownership of the equation um, for the both of us if he wasn't present at the time. And it was just a much better interaction where we were able to talk about, you know, the things I was doing from a physical and a mental standpoint, um, some of the things I was working on, some of the things he would recommend. And it was just a much more smooth, um, you know, interaction than I've ever had with other doctors. And that was just because the journey I'm on I, I'm now recognizing that it doesn't do anyone a benefit when you're like, you know, they're in the wrong, they're in the rush. It's the doctor's fault. It's the government's fault. It's everybody else's fault, but mine. And, and I'm not a victim in this situation. I need to be a proactive contributor. Um, and I just encourage everybody to be more understanding of where the doctor is coming from. I mean, they're being you know, pulled around from appointment to appointment and expected to have a superpower that is unique they're expected to have it shine all day <laughs> and it's very hard to do that when you're in a ball and potentially stressed or thinking about hey you know i need to you know send this to insurance or i need to you know do xyz um, and it's just been a huge enlightenment for me to realize that you know even myself my superpower can't shine when i'm overly stressed and 
I've seen that time and time again. Um, and this is just one of those examples. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. And I think that, you know, more people, you know, the more people that are present, whether it's either from the doctor or the patient side or the teacher or the student, um, it makes us both a little bit better off because we're all healing from something, whether, we're, you know, we're never at that perfect state where, you know, everything's healed and everything's mended. You know, we want to get people there. I hope people get there eventually. Um, but there's always something that needs to be addressed. And uh, sometimes it's more than others. But um, as long as we can be more understanding with each other and, and do everything we can to have these type of conversations, like you mentioned, you know, 20 years ago, people weren't talking about this type of stuff. So, you know, our parents' generation and before them, they don't have the the muscle to actually have these conversations because they've never built it or, or practiced it or exercised it. So it's something relatively new. Obviously, it's been around. Um, but, you know, for the masses, because of social media, a lot of people are starting to share this on a massive scale, which I think is very beneficial. But it's also personalized, which makes it that much more unique. And I think that's where you know, doctors are having an amazing impact is, you know, when you go in and you go in, you know, the patient's normally pretty stressed because they're like, oh, am I going to have a disease or am I going to have something going on? So when doctors can practice it and, and integrate that into their practice, and that's like the whole development of Ayurveda and, mm -hmm. and functional medicine and um, things of that nature, then it makes the patient either adopt a new practice that can be continued after um, I always think about like the chiropractor, you know, I used to, I've, I've been to a few chiropractors just with my days in baseball and I, you know, probably nine out of 10 times it was, here's the treatment, you know, kind of good luck. And I had that one chiropractor that said, here's your treatment, but here's what I want you to work on between now and the next time that you come in. And I always came in better or more aligned mm -hmm. from a spinal standpoint. So I just encourage everybody to think about those continual practices because, that's what really makes, um, you know, that exponential difference um, over a period of time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, one of my mantras is that small changes make a large impact. And I always impart that on my with my clients as well. And so, you know, that's another thing, like we had mentioned meditation as as a potential tool, as a practice. And, and so often I hear the first thing I hear from people is like, I can't meditate. My thoughts just don't stop. Yeah. So first of all, just to clear up that myth, the purpose of meditation is not to stop your thoughts. It's normal. It's human to have thoughts running through your mind all the time. Um, so, th so that doesn't mean that you're not good at meditation. It is a practice. Um, and the goal is not necessarily to stop the thoughts. It is to practice focusing on something. And through that, generally more space is created between your thoughts, mm -hmm. but, that, but you're not trying to do it. You're not trying to force that. Um, but anyways, I, I, I bring that up because also so often people think that they need to be able to sit down and meditate for 15 minutes or 30 minutes a day. Right. And there, and, and, you know, the biggest objection I see is I don't have that time. Right. And so, but what is so amazing and with clients that I work with, I'm like, literally one to two minutes a day will make a difference. If you can do more, great. But if you can't, if all you can do is one to two minutes, and if we cannot set aside one to two minutes a day for ourselves, we really need to look at our lives. 
you know, um, but it does make a difference. And I will tell you, I have had clients come back to me and say, she thought I did not think it would make that big of a difference, but literally two minutes a day has made such a big difference in terms of how I'm showing up at meetings, at work, in terms of how I feel. I'm not as stressed as I used to be. Things that used to make me feel anxious, I'm not anxious about. Two minutes a day. Mm-hmm. So I say that because that also goes back to one, small changes. It doesn't have to be huge. Small things make a big difference. And second, also to go back to that idea of of kind of building on just what you said, Greg, of just like consistent things, right? So like going back to that idea that I shared that these effects of of meditation, of these mindfulness of mind-body practices are cumulative. So if you do two minutes a day, but you're doing it every day or you're doing it four days a week, on somewhat of a consistent basis, those effects are cumulative. You well see the benefit. Yeah, I've, I've definitely felt it. So I can, when you, when you describe it, I can feel it. Um, and I want everybody to feel that to some extent, um, you know, whether it's, it feels right for you now. I think a lot of things like yoga, like meditation, it feels kind of odd when you start out. Um, it feels like, why am I doing this? I'm not getting that immediate you know, dopamine or serotonin rush immediately in my brain. So I need to go do something to get that rush. And that's the the point. That's the main point of doing it is getting yourself out of that immediate need and desire to have a stimulation effect, because then you get in a practice of actually being in that state, which is going to impact every area of your life. And I can almost promise and guarantee you that with without signing the dotted line, because I've, I've felt it and I know the impact of it. So I think it's extremely powerful. I love small changes make a big difference um, mm-hmm. because a lot of times we, we like to make, we try to make big changes um, and we think they're going to make big differences and we want to, you know, go full speed to try to, you know, get to that race as opposed to running a mile and then running two miles. And then, mm-hmm. so it's, it's, it's a, it's a mindset shift. It really is. Yeah. And but you know, just like the the mantra of the show, that small shift, you know, helps you better connect with the future you that you desire to be. And um, I think that's that's kind of the theme of of what most people want. Whenever I talk to somebody, they always want to improve, and um, even if they're in a dark place, they want to get out of it. And this is a easy way to um, kind of put themselves in a state to give themselves the best chance to do exactly that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Well, um, you know how we like to to conclude the show. It's it's been fascinating. We'll definitely have you on again. Um, it's always a pleasure. And um, where can folks find you? Um, where should they reach out to get in contact with you? Whether it's for your meditation, yoga, or to um, take you up on one of your great uh, beneficial programs. Yeah, absolutely. So you can visit me at radiantlivinginstitute.com. And from there, you can download a free workbook on um, six steps to create your radiant life. You'll also find the meditation course that I referenced. I will share with Greg a coupon code um, that he will include uh, so that you can get 50% off of that meditation course. You'll also see other courses on there as well. You can learn about working with me either individually or if you represent an organization or are with an organization that you want to bring me in for um, speaking to your group. I'm always happy to do that as well. You can also find me on Instagram and LinkedIn at Sheetal Ajmani MD. 
um, and YouTube. I think those are all the places. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely <laughs> check out your show. Um, I think everybody should check that out. And if you're an organization or a leader and you don't know where to start in your company journey to, to start to shift your culture, I think a lot of leaders think they have to have all the answers. But bringing in someone like yourself to start the process and then, you know, it honestly makes the leader look good. And then the leader can carry on those practices because they're showing that they're human and learning as well, as opposed to being that big figure that they may feel like they need to be. And um, those are the organizations that are, that are going to survive through the difficult times ahead is are those leaders that can put their ego aside and look to experts like yourself to help their organization develop the right culture. So I'm a big proponent of that. Um, I definitely want folks to reach out. And uh, I'll, I'll put all of the links in the show notes, but also included your website, which is really you know the central point um, in the, in the um, comments here if you're watching us live. And um, really looking forward to continuing the conversation you know on this platform, on your show, you know as well as um, in the business community here. If you're local, um, definitely reach out to both of us. We're happy to get together and continue the conversation. Um, but to conclude the show, you know, I could talk about this stuff all day. I know we both could, um, you know, with where you're at today, you know, I know we, we did the last show, I think it was December of 23. So it's been a couple months. Um, what is being connected, you know, mean to you today, whether in your business or your personal life? Yeah, I love this question. And my answer is probably the same because it's just such a core belief and tenant of mine. It is, um, why Radiant Living Institute exists. And it is that being connected means really finding that connection within yourself. Um, because it is our relationship with ourself um, that is the foundation for everything else in life. That is the foundation for how we show up um, each day, day in and day out. It's the foundation for how we show up in our relationships, whether that's business relationships, um, coworkers, colleagues, personal relationships, it's the foundation for how we set the culture for our organizations. All of that is just your connection to yourself and that foundation, um, your relationship, excuse me, your relationship to yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and part of that is, to tie into what we've been talking about, part of that is cultivating that mind-body connection. Um, that is a part, that is a way that I often guide clients and that I myself tune into my inner voice. Like I mentioned before that our body is always sending us signals. I think part of that is also uh, an avenue, a pathway that our inner voice talks to us, um, like your gut feeling. Yeah. And so often we're like conditioned not to pay attention to that. And so that's another reason for me personally in my own life, as well as when I'm working with clients of, um, that cultivating that mind body connection is so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's why the show exists. Cause I stopped shoving down my gut feeling and, and really started to listen to it. And until you do that, you know, you're, you're really not living your fullest life. And um, there's a lot of things that are, there's a lot of signs around you that will come up, whether it's negativity or things in your body that come up. Um, so I love that definition of connection. I think it's so um, relevant to today's world and where we are and where we're headed. Um, so I just want to acknowledge you again for your ability to bring, you know, self-care science, um, the ability to live with ease, you know, to people in a way that they can 
both understand first and foremost, because it's that awareness and that's where it all starts and then be able to practice it. I think that's that's something that happens few and far between, because a lot of us, when we think about this stuff, it's it becomes overly complex. So making it understandable and, and practice practicable or, or something that people can put into their lives is just so critical um, and it's going to impact so many people. So really appreciate your time. Chital, I'm looking forward to continuing the conversation. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on the show. I always enjoy our conversations.